We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast. I'm Pete, joined by Darius. And last night, Lakers moved to 500 uh, in a slog of a game. We sure haven't been ahead on the scoreboard uh, all that much this season, D, but Lakers find a way to pull it out uh, down the stretch of 106-103 against the Orlando Magic. A bit of a movable object versus a resistible force uh, situation where you've got the team with the 38-year-old superstar coming off of a second night of a back-to-back in a, in a OT, you know, road loss the night before versus a young team who had a whole weekend off in Los Angeles and the supposed LA nightlife and its undefeated record. And it was a game, D, where we couldn't get a loose ball. A lot of the struggles that you would expect from second night of a back-to-back coming off of the road. But Lakers find a way to make it happen uh, really behind the strength of Anthony Davis has been, AD's just been unbelievable since after opening night and just really on both ends of the floor dominated the game. So what'd you see last night? What's your overall kind of impression from last night's game? So we should make a note too that Rui Hachimura did not play. He was a late scratch um, before the game. He has an eye contusion. And so he was listed as probable earlier in the day. And then his status kept going down and down and down. And then until he was ruled out before the game, um, Remember, P2, Darwin had mentioned that he was going to start to fine tune the rotation and start to dig in. We talked about that in yesterday's pod. It's probably wasn't super realistic for that to happen on the second night of a back to back, like in hindsight, especially if Rui's out too, right? The rotation yes. kind of gets tightened up for him. Yeah. Well, tightened and loosened in its own way, because if Rui's going to play an important role in that, sure. then it's going to open up more sure. opportunity for other guys who may have been removed. It's like, what can you actually do? I don't know, man. The thing that stood out to me about this game is that the Lakers offense is still like not where it needs to be. They are getting individual standout performances in order to be close or stay in these games. But there's not a lot of like team oriented play where it feels like they are collectively doing anything like Any head coach would want to be greater than the sum of its parts. The Lakers are probably lesser than the sum of their parts at this point. And it's their individual talent 
in the case of Anthony Davis or even D'Angelo Russell, who had a great game, or LeBron James, who had a pretty good fourth quarter after not having a very good first three quarters of the game. Um, They were able to make plays as individuals, I think, or maybe even as a triumvirate, right, within a two-man game action or something like that. But that's what's standing out to me at this point about like the bigger picture about the team. And I thought that that was true against the magic before I just continue to harp on like the negative things. I thought the Lakers defense did what it was like supposed to do in, in a lot of ways, the magic just hit threes in a manner in which they typically would not. They shot 40% from three, but they also shot 40% from two. And so if you're only making 40% of your two point baskets, then odds are is that has at least something to do with the defense. Orlando missed a fair amount of shots, but Paolo and Franz, who are really, really excellent young players, they combined to shoot like nine for 31 or like it was pretty bad, Mm -hmm. right? Or nine for 32. Credit to the Lakers defense for at least part of that, mm-hmm. right? And and so the Lakers are not where they need to be. Um, Orlando did have the younger legs. They did have the fresher, like, burst to get to a lot of those loose balls. Uh, Jalen Suggs really impressed me with how mm-hmm. he was, like, getting to the offensive glass. And the physicality of some of their guards overwhelmed, like, D'Lo and Austin at certain points. But for the most part, I thought the Lakers showed resiliency again. And so a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, I think. Yeah, there's on the offensive end there, uh, we ran more like double drag screens. And in the first half, I actually thought our ball movement was pretty good. Uh, One of the things I'm noticing that we're susceptible to is switching. Um, And we just our our ways of beating switches, I think, will will grow over time. But we haven't talked about this team a whole lot through a defensive lens. And I think that that is really what's been holding us holding us up the first part of the season as the offense really struggles in a number of ways. Um, and Orlando's like best ways of scoring were either in transition or on second chance points. And we left Gary Harris alone in the corner uh, one or two or three too many times for my liking, especially in that second quarter. Um, but by and large, the against our set defense and uh, or against our set defense, we were excellent at getting stops. Now, we weren't always excellent at cleaning up the defensive board that came up after that. But it was another game where we saw the the big guys and especially Christian Wood have a really positive impact, um, help clean up on the defensive boards. The last play of the game, Suggs drove right at AD's chest. And this is something that, again, defense or uh, again, opponents really want to erase Anthony Davis from as many plays as they possibly can on the defensive end because he's so problematic in terms of the things that he disrupts. And so one of the ways to do that is drive right at him and get the shot up. And even if you don't make it, there's kind of the second wave of humanity that's coming to clean that up. And the starting group is really poor at handling that second wave, the D'Lo, Austin, Torian Prince group. But we closed that game with D'Lo, Torian Prince at the two, and then LeBron, AD, and C. Wood. And we saw that very last play where AD gets vertical on Suggs, does a great job. And then there's this whole wave of humanity coming after it. But it's Christian Wood, who again, comes up with the ball in a contested space and, and gets fouled as they're trying to tie him up. So I know we've talked about him a bit, but I'd love to to continue that just that he's been just fantastic 
the collective size of AD and Wood is something that Darwin mentioned this early in camp where I I can't remember who asked him about the potential of two big lineups and Mm -hmm. have we seen any of that yet? And Darwin had said, oh, not a lot of that yet, right? It was like after the first or second practice, but he said, but just having these guys, seeing them all on the court together shows you the amount of length and size that's out there. And it looks pretty daunting just from that standpoint. Palinka pointed this out about the the players camp too, right? About how when they saw them get together and that was one of the things that really stood out and seeing it in live games, it's like, oh, this is a thing. We've got something here. Well, yeah. And this isn't a foreign idea for the Lakers, right? The starting lineup they had for the team in the bubble that won the championship, like without Avery Bradley, right? And Bradley is a smaller guard, but he was kind of imposing in in his own way, very long arms and, and a very phys- physical yeah. player. So he played bigger than than his listed height, for mm-hmm. sure. But KCP was, you know, 6'4", right? Danny Green, like 6'5", 6'6". And then LeBron AD JaVale or LeBron AD Dwight, like towards the end of that uh, Nugget series. And it's just like, okay. And even when the center went out, it's just like, here's Marquise Morris. He, yeah. He's like a 6'8 dude, uh, Kuz, who's a 6'9 mm-hmm. guy. And it's just like, okay, well, they just come at you wave after wave after wave. And so it's not a new concept for the Lakers, but Wood is another angular, long athlete, right? Like he's not super bouncy, but it's very similar to the look that the Lakers had when Wenyon was on the court playing mm-hmm. with AD, where it's just like, oh, this is just a lot of size and height and length and it's it can be a distraction to dudes like like they're going in the lane and i can't remember who took this shot attempt it might have been mo wagner but he tried to shoulder off ad and then on a drive Mm -hmm. and in the process of shouldering him off he was trying to draw a foul but go up with the ball he'd lost the ball a little bit and it slipped out and ad blocked it as it came out of his hand, Wagner recovered it. And right. then Christian Wood comes right from behind and then swats it on like the second shot attempt. And it's just like, there's just that wave element of, yeah. there always seems to be a reinforcement. And that's sort of the help principle stuff that we were talking about yesterday with well, with AD, that in this case, he was the primary guy and not the guy who's coming from, from behind and, and offering help. But anytime another 6'11 dude with long arms is coming as like the second guy to help, it's going to be problematic for for the defense in anything around the paint. And that's why credit the Magic for making as many jumpers as they did. Um, But early in the game, it's just like, oh, well, there's another missed jumper and there's another missed jumper. And part of that was because the Lakers were doing a pretty good job of sealing off the paint to a team that wants to get into the paint with Mm -hmm. Wagner and Boncaro and physical guards like 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 Suggs and Fultz. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, let's talk about some lineup concepts built around the two bigs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So one of the emerging storylines from from the beginning of this year is that starting group really struggling, particularly on the defensive end. Now, an absolutely crazy stat, D. The starters have now played 55 minutes together, which last year would have been the sixth most played lineup the entire season. And in their 55 minutes together, they have a defensive rating of 120.3. And a big part of that, I think, is, you know, the worker lack thereof on the defensive glass and just loose balls and just physicality in general. And so one of the things that happens around the league, there are a couple other teams that have smallish type backcourts. Cleveland is a team that comes to mind for me, D, is that you've got like, all right, we've got Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, and they're both great offensive players, but they're a, a bit on the small side defensively. What are the one, one of the ways that we can compensate that? And one of the things that I think is that for every small guard you have on the court, you need to have one big on the court. And one thing that we've been doing a lot, and even in yesterday's game, we had a lineup in the second quarter of like Austin, D'Lo, Prince, and Reddish right? With AD out there. And it's like, you're so small and there's nobody that gets rebounds for a living aside from Anthony Davis. And so that's one of the things that happens around the league in terms of like the two big lineups. That's when they're most common is when you're small in the backcourt and you know, you're not going to be switching anyway. And so that's something that, that said, one of the things that I, I I've seen from Darwin in terms of his like defensive concepts is he's always going to have a guy on the perimeter who's like, your job is to guard their best guy. We were talking about this recently. And normally that's Vando in that starting spot. Without him, it's been Prince and then Reddish in that backup type of spot. And so if you were to say start Wood, right, you kind of are without that if you start a D'Lo Austin type of backcourt. So anyway, I just wanted to bring up that idea of the two big lineups I feel like complement are small, like the perimeter guys aren't physical, you have to make up for that somewhere. And that's one of the ways you can do it. Yeah, we were texting about this last night, but the balance of the roster in terms of strength and physicality is tilted in the not in the strength and physicality direction. Mm -hmm. Right. And Prince and it's Prince who is that swing like swing player because he's the forward quote, quote unquote. But Prince is playing more and more like a guard to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really liked his like, minutes at the two, yeah. Yeah, rather than like a wing or a forward type, right? It's it's so funny. I was thinking about this the other day, but um, because I had mentioned this in my recap about the Kings game, about no rebounds, no rings, right? And like, and then I was thinking about those Showtime teams, and I'm just like, okay, there's 6'9", Magic Johnson, and 6'4", mm-hmm. Byron Scott, right? But then it's like 6'9", James Worthy, 6'9", AC Green, and 7'0". Yep like 
house even ball Coop off the bench. Actually. Coop was like six five, six six with long yeah. arms. You know, Cooper was listed as six six, and so right. right, like he was a big player too. And so it was just funny to me thinking about like Prince in comparison to like James Worthy and like just the evolution of the game, right? And like the different styles of play between those those guys. Um, I was looking at the rebounding numbers last night because so Anthony Davis had what did he have? AD had 19 19 rebounds, I think. The rest of the starting five, so the four other players had eight rebounds combined in 126 minutes, basically. How many did Vincent have? How many did Vincent have? How many did Vincent have? That's that's a good question. Gabe Vincent had zero rebounds. Torian Prince had zero rebounds. Um, D'Lo had two. And Austin and LeBron had three each. Now, mm-hmm. in fairness to LeBron, LeBron had like 15 rebounds the night before. Yeah, no, I, I'm not and, worried about LeBron on the, on this front. Yes, in fact, LeBron's right. like, where LeBron's at at this point is exactly part of the reason why the other guys can't have like two, right. three, zero rebounds. That's right. And so... This is just one element of things, right? But the collective force that the Lakers have defensively on the perimeter is something I'm keeping my eye on because they've been running into these power guards or guards who understand that even if they're not power guards, they could leverage their quickness and their combination of quickness and whatever strength they have equals force. And right? that's part of the and game so, plan against the Lakers, too, is I see Wood was in the locker room after the game yesterday and he was like, yeah, they're sending like four guys to the offensive glass. It's very obviously in the scouting report. There are opportunities there if you go for it. Mike in our thread last night, or it might have been you even called Suggs like guard Aaron Gordon. And that's sort of what he that, plays that was like. Mike, like, but that's really good. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like he because he was just bull rushing to the offensive glass and he like on a couple of possessions, he just basically like trucked guys but and not like a foul he's not like pushing no, them no, down with his hands or plays. anything just good physical yeah. basketball yeah and so and whether it was D'Lo or austin um wagner got prince a couple of times like what compounds this issue too is our guards and our forwards in general but especially our guards like prince and D'Lo have a tendency to ball watch when they're oh, on yeah. the weak side and so that makes you even more susceptible to weak side crashes. It's like if you're just going to be watching the action, then guys are going to slip in behind you or they're going to body you up. And then suddenly you're out of position for a rebound that should have been yours. And that lack of physicality from your perimeter, from your three perimeter players, um, you're just not leaving. There's no margin for error then. Mm -hmm. And if LeBron is out of position a little bit, or he's like, oh, I'm not going to rush or body a guy up. And LeBron typically hasn't been this huge box out guy either. Like the best athletes rarely are right. They're just like, I'm a bigger and better athlete than you. I'm just going to, I'm going to go get it. And so I love your point about Wood being a guy who he compensates for that. You take because with LeBron, AD, and Wood in there, it's just like, oh, there's a seven-foot wingspan, seven-two wingspan, seven-four wingspan, and they're all down there. In the critical moments of the game, especially where the rebounds are going to be contested, those guys are rarely going to get out-muscled down, down there. Now, your guards still potentially can, and Suggs made mm-hmm. a couple of 
really good plays in order to get to loose balls that way. But but those are plays that are going to happen every game. What can't happen are the plays that shouldn't be happening every game, right? Which is yep. like your guards and wings getting bullied the way that that the Lakers have have been. Um, I wanted to pivot here, though, within the same same idea of like defense and rebounding and and uh, collective size. Where are you at with just like the point of attack defense in general, even including Prince, right? And what that has looked like, even with Cam too, a little bit. Cam's a more physical defender, but he's also not um, as big or as strong as Vando. He is mm-hmm. not the dogged, like get underneath you t- type of player either, like like a Pat Bev or or even a how Dennis was last season. That's right. right. Like Cam's tall. He's can be physical, but it's just like, where are you at with the point of attack defense? Cause I feel like that's been one of the shortcomings of where the Lakers have been. And it showed up some against Orlando last night as well. It, it did. I, I think this is a great question too, in that I think that we're asking our personnel to do a little more than they're capable of generally at this spot in that in the spirit of Darwin's defense very much being built around a main point of attack defender, when that's Jared Vanderbilt, that allows you a level of not just aggression on the ball, but also like he's got this covered to a degree yeah. for most Rebus players. Island, right? a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right? a little bit, a little <laughs> bit, right? And and knowing that Vando's, he's certainly not going to get out muscled. There's not anybody that's like a perimeter player in the league that's really going to go through him. And so that allows you some freedom with your help defenders and allows you to not dedicate as many resources in that direction that if you try to play that same way with a Torian Prince or even a Cam Reddish who are solid defenders, like I think Reddish has been perfectly fine on the defensive end um, on the ball with the uh, a guy like Durant cooked him. Right. But by going sure. over the top of it, like that's one of the things you do what you do is what you can do as a player. That's all you can ask. And Reddish couldn't do more than that. The he was the main culprit a few times in leaving uh, Gary Harris open. Yes. Um, he's also, despite his athletic gifts, not a great rebounder. And part of the reason why I'd prefer Max in that spot is that Max is actually a positive on the glass in a, from an area in which there's not another player that's that's good at that. And so the point of attack stuff is is like, I, I feel like there's some degree of overask. That said, I've been pr- decently happy with with our defense. Sacramento was the one team, but also it's like Torian Prince can't guard Deer and Fox. That's like one of the best ones in the NBA, and certainly one of the very fastest. Torian Prince is a three, a two slash three type of player. Like yeah. it's not his fault. He just can't guard a Deer and Fox type. And so I'm curious your thoughts on this though. D, you brought it up for for a reason. I'm sure. What are you seeing with that? I'm just seeing a lot of guys struggling to both get over the top of screens and stay in front without getting knocked off their position, right? Mm-hmm. That physicality struggle. Yeah, yeah. Like Austin has struggled with this a great deal. And we're probably going to have to have a larger Austin discussion about like where things are with him. You mentioned that the Lakers closed with Prince at the two. Well, that's Austin's spot, right? Like Prince was in with Austin as LeBron got his fourth quarter rest. And when LeBron came in, we were wondering who LeBron might come in for. And you were saying like, I think LeBron might come in for Austin Mm -hmm. and LeBron came in for Austin. Mm -hmm. And it was, that was the right choice. 
Right. And it, it was. wasn't just because Austin was struggling with his shot again. And he had some like unlucky misses as well. Like a couple, one toilet bowled out, a couple rattled in and out. And the basketball gods Stu- are mad at him right now. We don't know what he did, but yeah, he's, they're not pleased with him. Oh man. He's probably hearing that Austin, Austin chant with like the little Filipino accent from oh, like, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> like, uh-huh. like from FIBA a little bit, uh-huh. like, like in his head right now, right? The basketball gods are mocking him a little bit. He, they maybe he got a little bit too much love, yeah, right? You know? Like, uh, yeah, we got to bring you back down. They, they down always have a way, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> but that was the right choice. Defensively, Austin's been getting attacked, not in the same ways he did at FIBA in terms of like switching and having to guard bigger guys, but guards have been trying to like go at him and really wear him down. One of the things about playing a drop coverage is that you ask your guards to get over the top of screens over and over and over again, right? And then when they recover, you ask them to stay in front and be strong in order for the backline help to then be able to say, like, I'm the second wave. We're going to force a kick out it to a shooter mm-hmm. who we want to shoot the three-point shot. But you talked about the different zones in a pod the other day, mm-hmm. right? Like the attack zone, the decision zone, and then the finishing zone. At the decision zone, what which is, is around the free throw the line. Lakers, mm-hmm. Yes, which is around the free throw line. What's happening to the Lakers guards a fair amount is that – The offensive player is saying, oh, it's decision time. Pass or keep attacking or shoot, right? And they're choosing, I'm going to keep attacking, and my mode of attack is going to be blunt force. I'm going to shed you in this decision zone right here in order to get to the finishing zone Mm -hmm. where I can get a shot off. And that is then engaging the Lakers bigs, and it's one of the reasons why they are not rebounding defensively the way that they should be as well because one of the bigs is getting wiped out and then now on top of that the wave the crash of the wave of of offensive rebounders Mm -hmm. is just like oh we have overwhelmed the forces it's 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 like a scene from from one of those uh from like return of the king right from like one of the lord of the rings yes yes they're like over the walls now yeah right and, and so what I'm concerned about at the point of attack is being able to stand firm and and hold your ground. Uh, and Austin, this has happened to Austin more than like I think any of the other guards where it's mm-hmm. just like he is accentuating contact a little bit. He's getting bumped off his spot and he's trying to sell calls a little bit. But I don't blame him because if he just stands in there, he's going to get ran through anyway, right? And, and it's a tricky equation, but this is where I think – like Vando's ability to slot players defensively sure. is super important. And it's one of the things that that we've missed. And so I just was wondering what you were seeing around that. I, I'm glad you brought that up. I also think it ex- explains why Gabe Vincent is getting the minutes that he's getting and why he's one of our better plus minus guys last few games, you know, is because he does that fairly well, that being strong in those situations. Let's take a break. We had another guard. Our first guard of the season had a good uh, breakout offensive game, and I'd like to talk about it. So D'Angelo Russell with the 28-8 and performance, uh, again, when an entire core of your team is struggling, I think it's indicative of some structural issues a lot of times. And to me, there's a lot of dissonance in the five out right now. I've been, you know, spamming you guys on the text thread of like, we're running so much more pick and roll than the other five out teams. Like when I, before yesterday's game, I haven't looked since, but 
amongst us, Golden State, Miami, Sacramento is another five out team and uh, Denver. We were like far and away the first uh, we were far and away. Number one in pick and rolls amongst the five out teams. Um Dito figured that out a little bit more, and I thought he was a little less of that that battering ram that you were talking about in the decision zone. We Our guards have been trying to do that quite a bit, but our guards are not battering rams, right? D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and Gabe Vincent, a lot of those guys, uh, especially Austin and Dilo, had been kind of overpenetrating and driving into the teeth of the defense. I thought his decision-making was better this season or uh, was a lot better in this game in terms of like shot pass and like I'm going to pull up here and I I just thought he provided a degree of counter gravity that we've been really needing uh and he got a dunk too that's that's the thing it's the push pull on uh we get, have an outlet to Anthony Davis on the wing and Delo speed cuts a taller guy uh great pistol action type of thing turns the corner you know beats Paulo Bancaro to the to the rim and gets a dunk and so that sort of there was a certain amount of like, ah, oh, let's freaking go. We're ready for the season that this team had that I think has kind of manifested itself and a bunch of dudes like just driving wildly to the rack of which Delo was one of them. I saw him calm down and a little bit more of the patience that's Delo at his best last night. What did you see from him? He just had more of the control that he showed during the preseason and he settled into spots on the court where he was most comfortable operating out of the mid-range. And when you talked about like that decision zone, right, he was saying, I'm not going to go further than this. And mm -hmm. I'm just going to shoot my mid-range. And even if it's contested, I'll lean to the left or lean to the right a little bit. This is what I do, right? Big guard university stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm going to create a little bit of, of space. And you saw the inherent and natural talent that exists within his offensive game when his talent, especially when it shines through and, and the shots fall, you just see like a, a very like well-balanced beauty to how effortlessly he can score the ball. It's like, Oh, kick out, mm -hmm. kick out pass. I'm open. Here's a, here's a made three pointer. Like, Oh, putting you in jail a little bit. Come coming off of a pick and roll. Oh, I let you recover in front of me. Now I'm going to sidestep ball fake. Like, oh, you went for it a little bit. I'm going to drift six inches to the left while I shoot this little leaning jumper that's going to, you know, go right through the basket. Have you seen that stutter step that he's been doing when he's got a little, yes. he got one, a little floater that he just absolutely freezes the defense when he does this. It's like a, is there an opposite of like a Euro step? It's like, it's like an, it's like almost like an inception step, right? Yeah. It's just like, he makes you think you're doing something else. And he's like, no, I actually never moved. Let's just, I wish Mike, Mike was here because he could talk about his strategy around taking penalty kicks. Right. Oh, uh -huh. But have you ever seen a guy come in and take a penalty kick and he kicks it like right to where the goalie was standing where and then was, the goalie yeah. dives, yeah. right? It's like the goalie's diving left or right. He's trying to decide like, which way is he going to go? Which way is he going, going to go? The guy comes up and kicks it and he's like, oh, I'm diving as far as I can to, to the left. And the ball literally went straight to where the goalie was. Like that's yeah. how D'Lo is getting some, some of these layups. He's like faking a Euro and then going right to the cup. And it's like, ah, you fell for it when I didn't even go in that direction. So... He's got an incredible level of craft to his game that when everything is clicking again, he makes it look easy. And 
even against physical defenders, I thought in the first few games, like D'Lo looked sped up yes, a little bit and, it, so. and he looked like he was trying to get to spots on the court where things weren't available to him. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to be that blunt force object of like a hammer when really it's just like he's not a hammer. Like that's not his game. Right. And so I thought he figured things out a little bit more. You could also see, though, that like even D'Lo within the context of this offense, like his passing reads aren't all the way there. Nope. He's throwing the ball into spaces where it seems unclear who the pass is to. And Mm -hmm. that's what's telling me that the Lakers aren't necessarily sure about their spacing yet. And this is coming up even more with with Austin. Like Austin ran a ball screen from the right wing. He went middle. So the roll man is going down the right lane line and he tried a hook pass to the strong side corner mm-hmm. and threw it like literally like right to Gary Harris. And I'm just like, bro, like no one's tagging in yeah. that direction. Like what's going on with this? D'Lo threw a similar pass where it is like was rolling mm-hmm. like Hayes. Hayes was rolling and I think Prince was in the right hand mm-hmm. corner mm-hmm. and he threw it and he literally threw it into no man's land. Yeah, it was like, like was that supposed to be to Hayes or was that supposed was that to be to Prince? Hayes or yeah. was that to the corner? Like, who's that to? And that has happened even to LeBron at times where you're just like, who's LeBron passing to here? LeBron's had multiple like high turnover games. He had eight against the Kings. And I think he had five more. He's got like the last two games, he's had a negative assist to turnover ratio, I think. Like, mm-hmm. when's the last time you saw that from LeBron James? I think. All the perimeter players seem not, if not confused, a little bit befuddled by what their passing reads are. And it's something that stood out to me. Like, I'm sorry to turn a really positive conversation about D'Lo into something that I'm seeing that's negative. But I think it's indicative of guys trying to find their way a little bit and still finding success where they can. But their success being hit by this sort of glass ceiling a little bit. Very much so. And look, we we got the win, but... This has been a slog through the first four games. Again, that the Lakers haven't been up on the scoreboard that much, and it it looks out of sync. And um, that's yeah. because, in part, it is. And those passing reads and guys being unsure where the ball is supposed to go are a big part of that. I very much believe it's a, a core function of running too many pick and rolls in this style. We had some second quarter possessions that I— I'll send you when I have a little bit more time, I'm put together a little supercut of some of the like, this is how it's done when it's done correctly, I think. And we are making progress on that. And that's the thing I want to kind of close on is that this is something that there needs to be a level of intentionality in the offense where it's not just play by principle out of five out, but like more set actions and set play or not just set plays, but like set looks, whether it's like, remember LeBron in Cleveland all the time, he's done this with the Lakers a bit, a bit too, where you just post him up on the elbow and run like three man yep. game with love and Corver. And again, we've done that with a few guys here. Like there was more of that type of stuff in the game, not specifically the elbow action, but the double drags, we've run a little more Spain pick and roll, um, where if we want to run a lot of pick and roll, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But in the five out spacing, you'll notice a lot of them start on the side and it's initiated between the wing, initiated between the wing player and the corner player oftentimes. And there's just, you kind of cut off half of the court a lot of times uh, when that happens, or it's just 
classic two-man game where there's three on the weak side. But the point is, is that you have to be very intentional with the actions within that in order to create the double gaps necessary that facilitate the type of spacing that those guys can make good passing reads into. So much more of the story to be written, particularly on the offensive end, but uh, little by little, Lakers making uh, its progress. Uh, really good to see C. Wood get the uh, 26 minutes and close the game last night. Yeah. And just some guys, you know, there are some things working very well, other things working not at all. Um, and so we'll, we'll wrap up here. Uh, we will be back either tomorrow or after the game on Wednesday. But yeah, the Lakers play the Clippers, the new look Clippers. That, we didn't James even bring, Harden. bring it I know. up. James Harden. <laughs> Who knows if he will play? I it seems doubtful to me, sure. but we will see. Sure. Um, but yeah, new look Clippers and the Lakers Wednesday night. So we'll see. Maybe we will talk before then, if not after for sure. I, I wouldn't feel right having that conversation without Mike. So uh, we'll hold off Definitely. on the Harden to the Clippers combo, combo until then. All right, y'all. Be good. Uh, we'll be back soon. But until then, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. And the Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Bat next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, two, one. Listen. Bryant. 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 Unbelievable. For the victory. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. 
My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 